welcome. Glad that you're here this weekend. Uh, on the way in, they hand you the notes, and if you want to get those out in just a moment, we'll uh, teach from our message. While you do that, let me welcome all the folks that are going to hear the message this weekend, those at any one of our campuses, maybe those that are live streaming or those that will hear it in the next couple of weeks via a DVD or a CD or maybe uh, come to the website, download it from there. However, you're a part of the greater uh, JFC community, we want to welcome you and we're thankful uh, that you are and that you are here this weekend. Uh, real quick, before we begin, I'd like to just pray and invite the Lord to, uh, to enter into what we're about to teach right here. To be honest with you, I'm going to teach on the Holy Spirit and uh, far more uh, needs to be caught than taught, if that makes any sense. Some messages aren't simply, uh, do, you, do you try to give revelation? Some of those things have to be uh, literally where the Holy Spirit is able to, um, to have the impact. So I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to be here. I'll pray over our offering at the same time, and we'll just bless the Lord. So Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to teach this weekend. I want to thank you, Father, that your presence is in this room through the Holy Spirit, that you're already here, that you're already willing, that you are available. I want to thank you, Lord, that you open our hearts and our minds right now to the Word of God. And I want to thank you, God, for this, that you unite people together in one purpose. And when we're together, the blessing is in that place. There's unity and the blessing of God is in that place. Cause all of our campuses, all of our folks who call this church home to be together as we move forward in the things of God and in, uh, in, in really, Lord God, pursuing you. We just bless you now. Bless our offering and the opportunity to give to you. It's an act of worship. And we do it, God, with hearts that are uh, thankful for what you've given to us, thankful for the opportunity to give back. I bless, God, both those who are able and those who need. Lord, bless both of those this afternoon. And thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. We just pray it now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So it is a series called, Is It Possible? And it's a series about hope. And a scripture that I've been using through this right here has been Romans chapter 15, verse 13. One of my favorite verses from scripture. I'll show it to you one more time. We won't spend a lot of time here. But when I was meditating on this scripture this week, there was something that I saw. And once I saw it, I thought, okay, I'm going to check this out. And I started going through uh, the Bible, looking at all the words either that had to do with joy, peace, and hope. And it was funny. I'll show you this in just a second. But it was funny how interconnected those three things are throughout scripture. So like if you find hope, you'll find somewhere around the word hope, the idea of joy. With this idea that if we have God's hope, then we're going to have God's joy too. And if we have joy, then we have hope. Does that make sense? So let me, let me just show you this. It's a neat little thing. I, 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 I don't know how many times I've read it, been teaching out of it here. Uh, but I, I just saw this in a new way. So it says, may the God of hope, we're teaching on hope. May the God of hope fill you with, here it is, joy and peace. And not just joy and peace, but with all joy and peace as you trust in him, and here's why, so that you may overflow with hope, and then this part right here, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there were two things I saw when I was meditating on this week that I thought were really interesting, and it led me to what I want to teach on uh, this weekend. Simply, the first one is just to connect the idea that when you find hope, you will find with hope, joy, and peace. And so I'll just ask the question real quick, how many of you need more hope, joy, and peace in your life? How many of you know someone that needs more of it. How many of you married someone? Yeah. So here's here. So here here's a thought here. Even as we're teaching on this thought of hope, I think that the outcome is if you end up with hope in your life, you're also going to find that you have joy and you have peace. And I don't think anyone in here is against hope, joy, and peace. I think everyone would say we could use more of that. But then the last sentence was the one that I want you to key in on here. How do we end up uh, overflowing uh, with hope, joy, and peace? Uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to teach on the Holy Spirit this weekend because I think it's the, it's the connection for many people. 
I think that everybody in the room would agree, hey, always could use more hope. I, I need hope. It's, it's God's will. Look at the scripture. It's God's will that we overflow with hope. That's his will. And yet the thing that so many of us struggle with is, like, we love God, but some of us at times feel hopeless. Where's the disconnection? Where's the, where's the missing link? And I think that last sentence says it, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that so many times there's so much misinformation or misunderstanding or just simply a lack of how does this happen in my life that maybe I can try to connect a couple of things here. So uh, with that in mind, I just put as the thought right, uh, the, the thought right here, hope is closely linked with joy and peace. And you'll find that over and over again through the scripture. At the transition point, I want to talk about hope for the supernatural. Hope for the supernatural. And literally, if I was going to give it a title, I would call it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. So Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthian church, says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, let me, let me, let me stop and say this. So I've taught on this before, but I realize not everyone will catch something when it's initially said. And there are new people uh, who are always, always hearing something. Um, if you ever have a question like, you know, we believe in one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, called the triune, the, the, the trinity. It's the, the belief that God is one, but he manifests in three personalities in one or three, uh, uh, three ways to, to, to worship him, to see him. Uh, we have the Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So where do we pull those things from? Where do we, why do we believe those things? There are a lot, of, a lot of places, but one scripture that ties all three of them together is this scripture right here. And here's what I want you to see out of this. You can see the three in one, but I want you to see what each of them, uh, according to this scripture, does for us. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that Christ operates in grace in our life, and then look, and the love of God, you know, the God's love is unconditional love. Everything we have is because God loves us. Everything. The air you breathe, the fact that you're here, it's because God loves you. God's not against you. He's for you. And then last, I want you to see this. So the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, I won't take the time to, to pull everything out of this uh, in teaching on it, but simply the Holy Spirit's job. When you look at this particular scripture, it uses the word fellowship. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes Jesus and makes him real to us. The fellowship of the, the way that we know that Jesus is more than a historical figure who lived 2,000 years ago. The way that we feel him, that we experience him. Maybe that's the word. The way we experience Jesus is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So if you sit here today and you're like, well, I don't know how I feel about the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe you're aware of the term Holy Spirit, but so much, so much misinformation about the Holy Spirit is out there that people are either ignorant or they're afraid of him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so they tend to like, I acknowledge him, but I don't know how to access him or what that looks like. But I would just say this, God loves you so much that even if you can't put a definition on what the Holy Spirit does, he still does what he does because he loves you. So if you've ever sat and like, I don't know how the Holy Spirit works, but you love Jesus, the reason you love him is because the Holy Spirit makes him real in your life. Yeah, that's, good. that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he makes Jesus tangible. He puts, maybe this is what, he makes Jesus real flesh and blood to us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's his job to bring the fellowship, the reality, the, the closeness, the warmth, whatever you want to call that, he's the one that does that. Now, where I would go here then, in teaching about the idea, hope for the supernatural, that the Father wants us to overflow with hope. And the Bible says that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that this takes place. I thought I would teach on three activities of the Holy Spirit 
why you shouldn't be afraid, why you should, you should be intrigued, why you should absolutely invite the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. So let me give you three things. The first one, I just simply titled it The Gifts. And again, there's just so much misinformation in church today about these things. People are like, yeah, I, I realize they're in the Bible, but I, I, I've read about abuses or, you know, mostly here's what I know. Most people haven't had a bad experience with it. They've heard about someone who had a bad experience with it. And they form their opinions based on that many times. And it closes us off to the things that God wants to do in our lives. We should never be closed off to the things that God has for us in his word. Do you agree with that? should always be open to that. All right, so we find here's a place in the Bible that talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you're hearing this for the first time, just open yourself up. If you're familiar, let me give you some context for why these things are so valuable to us. This is 1 Corinthians 12. It's 7 through 11. Uh, so Paul's writing. He's talking specifically about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit when it comes to gifts. Now, I, I talked last week. I, I'm, my love language, I'm a gift giver. So when the Bible talks about gifts, I'm wide open to it because I love gifts. So let me just, how many of you don't like gifts? You're against a gift. Yes, that's just, everybody likes a gift. If it's a good gift. Agreed. All right, so to each one, this refers to everybody in the body. Every person then is inclusive of this. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So God gives gifts to each person, not only for the person to enjoy, but because once he gives the gift to them, that gift can be used to be a blessing to other people. It goes back to the original scripture we read that God wants you to overflow with hope. Why does he want to give you more than you need so that you can give something to somebody else? That's always the reason why. God's not wasteful. He, he's, not, he's not careless or haphazard. So in this particular case, he gives a gift not just for you to like, oh, this is awesome, let me enjoy it. He gives you a gift because it's supposed to be a blessing to other people too. So one of the reasons you would want it is so that you can be a blessing. Okay, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one or that same spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines to do. So we have a list here then of the gifts that God gives to his people that he gives not only for them to be able to enjoy individually, but he gives them so that they would be also enjoyed by people that we gather together with who love God like we do. You see that? Yep. All right, so, so then if that's true, then I would just, where are those gifts in operation? Where are they? And I think there's so many times we go, well, you know, see, Pastor, this is where the disagreement comes in because this is where churches get in so much trouble. So many weird things happen. How many weird things have you seen happen? We read about it or we hear somebody say it, but my question to you just simply would be, 
When, so, so I had a guy quote to me, Pastor, if you get into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Bible also says let them be done decently in order. But the first thing it says is let them be done. So, so many people, they, they camp on the decently in order, but if there's nothing being done, that's not God's will either. So while I agree 100%, it should always be decently in order. Something should be done. Do you agree with that statement? All right, so let me throw this out to you. So this lists all the different gifts that are available uh, as, as, as body gifts, individually given, but body gifts. And I don't have time to teach on every one of them, but um, there, there is one that is a personal favorite of mine. And in fact, I have a scripture to back it up, prophecy. And the Bible says this about prophecy. All the gifts are necessary. All the gifts are, are wonderful. But it says this one. All of you should eagerly desire the gifts, but especially the gift of prophecy. It elevates prophecy above even the other ones. So here's what the Bible says. We're all supposed to eagerly desire them. No one in this room should be afraid of them. You should eagerly be desiring them. And in fact, I would just throw, when's the last time you prayed, God, give me more gifts. Let me operate more gifts in my life. So not only are we supposed to be uh, open to them, but we're supposed to be desiring them, but then it elevates this one, prophecy. So let me just talk about prophecy very quickly. What a blessing prophecy is to me. Now I have shared, I think one of the, one of the, one of the greatest ways it's been a benefit in my life is that there are times when the enemy is attacking, not everyone is aware of what a person is going through in their mind. Do you agree with that? And then when the devil attacks, many times that battle, how about this? The greatest battle for your life takes place on the six inches between here and here. Do you, you agree with that? It's the, the battle for your life is fought right here. It's so many of us, we never, we don't vocalize those things. So we end up battling by ourselves alone. And here's where, we, the, so one of the things that Paul tells his protege, Timothy, use the words of prophecy that were spoken over your life to do battle with the enemy. So many times when I'm trying to fight the enemy, I'm trying to remember all the things that God has spoken about. Here's what God wants for me. Here's what God said about my life. Here's what God's promised me. But sometimes you find yourself, it's like you against the devil, and that battle can get long sometimes. So God will send a word of prophecy, which can be a word of knowledge. Uh, it can come in a number of different forms. So one of the easiest ones, I've told this one, but early on in the life of this church, I found myself uh, under a great stress, a great stress, and it began to do funny things to my heart. And I will just throw this out one more time. You're made up of a mind, a spirit, and a body. Any one of the three gets out of balance, it affects the other two. It's just the way that it is. You can ignore your physical, thinking that I'll just pay attention to the spiritual. But if you get tired physically, tell me what you feel like when it comes to praying. No one wants to do it. It's just one touches the other. So I find myself under this great amount of stress. I find my heart, do, your heart just does funny things under stress. And all of a sudden, as I'm going through this and I'm sweating and all these things are going on, this is the thought that the enemy starts planting in my mind. You're going to have a heart attack and die. You'll be done. Now, instead of vocalizing that to anybody else, I'm fighting. That's not what God has told me. God didn't call me here so that I'd have a heart attack. That's not God's purpose over my life. But the more it was manifesting physically, the harder that battle became. Does that make sense? And so I'm just praying, God, that, and I don't want to tell my wife because I don't want her to worry. So you just fight it by yourself. And I'm walking right down this aisle, make the right turn, my right, going that way. And a lady that I know, very much know, that hears from God when it comes to words of knowledge, uh, uh, words of wisdom, she stops me at the door and she said, Pastor, I feel like God has a word for you. Do you want to hear it? And I love being approached that way. Do you want to hear it? That's decently and in order. Do you agree? Some people use prophecy as a club. 
And that makes us reject it. This is, do you want to hear? I said, I do want to hear. What is it? And she said, uh, the enemy is telling you you're going to die of a heart attack. But here's the word of the Lord. Your heart is just fine. And you just need to learn how to delegate better. (laughs) And I walk out of those two doors right there. So what does that do for you? It instantly stops the enemy in his tracks. Because the only way this woman could, I didn't, I'm not up here like, folks, I'm going to have a heart attack. Somebody pray for me. I don't do that. The only way she could have known was that the Holy Spirit told her. So here's what it does. It builds faith in me instantaneously because now God knows where I'm at in space and time, right? Gives me a word to fight the devil. Stand on that word right there. It increases my faith. And it actually, it actually makes me very open to the prophetic. So... In my life, prophecy has been such a powerful... I could give you story after story. Here's the one, here's one from just this week. So again, God is showing me some things, some new things that he wants to do in me and some new things he wants to do in our church. And I even taught in the last few weeks a struggle in 2014 with me. Uh, coming out of a, a difficult time in 2013 and 2014 was feeling like, hey, am I, am I, is my time done? Am I just done? And that's a battle. Again, you don't stand up and ask, hey, you guys think I'm done? Any given weekend, the answer to that could be not what you want to hear or what you do want to hear. You know what I'm saying. It's like, well, you did all right this weekend. We'll keep you for another. Or no. Mm-mm. You, don't, you don't debate that question with people. And then with your staff, you know, you don't want to get it from guys. I just, I just don't know, man. That, that doesn't help with leadership. So you battle this thing on the inside. You're just dealing with it on the inside. And so my prayer pastor, Kim DeMay, Kim is a person I trust, hears from the Holy Spirit. Man, if you need, you should be involved in our prayer ministry. You really should. It's, it's not, it's powerful. The gifts, listen, you go to a charismatic church, you need to know that. And while I very much believe that on a given weekend, because we have people from all different walks of life, there's a common thing I try to hold together. The underpinning of what we do in ministry has very much to do with the gifts of the Spirit and activity all around us all around us. So I want you to know your pastor welcomes the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this church. I very much pray for those things and they're very much activated in most of the ministries inside of our church. So, so this week, my prayer pastor sends me this and the way it's submitted to me is, I feel like this is a word for you. I submit it to you, pray about it. If God wants you to keep it, keep it. And if not, throw it away. But this is the word of God, prophecy. So God is taking you to a new level. Remember, I'm not saying these things out loud. These are things that are in my heart that I'm praying about that I feel like God is saying. So God is taking you to a new level. A new anointing is coming for this season of your ministry. You are right where you're supposed to be in space and time. Shake off the thoughts of dread and discouragement. The unrest you are feeling in your spirit is divine and a work of the Holy Spirit who is preparing you. All the Lord desires from you is to submit to his call and leading let him bring to you the let him let him bring it to you present yourself to him and he will do the rest in you all right what does a word like that do for me i got depressed (laughs) right what do you think happens does it encourage does it edify does it build up does it strengthen what should prophecy do So here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, prophecy is for strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. Strengthening, 
encouraging, and comforting. All right, so here's my question to you. How many of you are against strengthening, encouraging, and comfort? So you can't be against the work of the Holy Spirit then. So here's where people end up in trouble. They're like, yeah, but I've heard people that take prophecy, and it doesn't strengthen, it discourages, and it does anything but comfort. Then it's not of the Holy Spirit. So we go, well, then, then you know, if, we're, if, if someone's going to make a mistake, you know, until, they, until they're mistake-free, we can't let them do any ministry in church, then none of us are qualified. We'll never be qualified. We can't, so here's the impetus. The impetus is back on us to determine, is that God or is it not? A word of prophecy doesn't control someone. That's manipulation. A word of prophecy comes to someone as a confirmation or a direction that is confirmed through the Holy Spirit in your life, but not to control you. So when someone comes and goes, hey, here's a word of the Lord. You're supposed to divorce your spouse. That's not God. The Lord told me, you're supposed to give me your wallet. That's not God. <laughs> How many times has that been used to manipulate people? That makes sense? Now, could God say to somebody, hey, I want you to do this, and he could say, and it could be a challenge to you, but you get to decide the derivative then of that is, you get to decide, is that the Lord or is that not the Lord? Does that, do you get that? It comes back to that. So the words of prophecy, words of wisdom, healing, the Holy Spirit moving amongst the body, the direction of the Holy Spirit, it should always be for encouragement, edification, strengthening, building up. That's what God does. So we should not be afraid of those things, but rather we should always be like, I need more encouragement. I need to be built up. I need to be strengthened. Now, let me just throw this out to you. Why then do so many believers feel unencouraged in life? How about you're not getting the ministry of the Holy Spirit? It's not the failure of God. It's that we sometimes, listen, here's what kills the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Ignorance and fear. Ignorance and fear. So ignorance is just simply to hear this message and reject it as ignorance. Because there's nothing I'm saying that would make, who is against encouragement? And the other one is simply fear. And that's to make a decision about something based on what someone else tells you, not your own experience. Kill the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. You never want that. You always want to be open. The best thing about a gift, and maybe the two common denominators of all gifts, one is a gift has to be given. God has done that. The very first sentence to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. It's a gift. It's given. But the most important issue with the gift is not the fact that it's given. The most important issue with the gift is the fact that it's received. When all of our children were old enough to drive, it was our goal to try to get them transportation. It didn't work out right when they turned 16 that we could do that with every one of them. But at some level, it was our goal to be able to bless them with transportation. Now, I use the word transportation because it would be debatable if it was a car or not, but it's, it got them around. How about that? And I told this with the girls. I, I had two of the five 
So my girls, I was always more careful with, and I went out of my way to try to give them something better. The boys, I figured, you're a boy. <laughs> Life is going to be hard for you. Let me help. So uh, I'm just, I'm teasing. But we tried to provide that with them. Now, just, just as this example, that is, that's a wonderful gift to give somebody. Do you agree with that? I mean, it was, it's a wonderful gift to try to give to somebody. And it took everything we had to try to do that. How weird would it have been to hand them the keys and have them just, eh. How weird would that have been? I mean, we would look at that and go, what's wrong with you, right? So, the, so then the problem wouldn't be with the person giving the gift. The problem would be in the one receiving the gift. And if God has given these wonderful gifts, we sit here at times, hear a message like this. It's like God laying a set of car keys in front of us. You want to go someplace? Here it is. And we just look at it like, eh. So the question would be, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And then we go, you know, I'm just stuck. Pick up the keys and go. Yeah, I'm just stuck. It's just always the same. It's just never changed. It's always the same. Pick up the keys. Is that? The gifts are absolutely wonderful and necessary. And folks, look at me real quick. So the problem with teaching on this, this is not meant to be exhaustive in 10 minutes. I cannot teach you everything that there is to know. Uh, some things to be known have to be experienced to be known. By definition is not the only way to know something. By experience is the way to know it. So here we have it in like a 10-minute time period to try to teach on all of these gifts. This is not exhaustive. Here's what I hope. Perhaps I pique your interest and whet your appetite to where you would go home and say, God, I want all that you have for me. Even that prayer opens us up to other opportunities for the Holy Spirit. So the second one that I would just encourage you with in the activity of the Holy Spirit would just simply be the kingdom. The kingdom. And what do I mean by that? So Romans chapter 14, verse 17. So it's a, a wonderful scripture in that it gives us a definition of the kingdom of God. We use that so much, the kingdom of God. But what does it mean? What's the kingdom of God? So Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. So, so we talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and, and we use it as though we, we firmly understand it. But let, here's definition. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking or, or things just in this world, fleshly things. But the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace, here's the two words again, righteousness, peace, and joy in who? If you lack hope, joy, and peace, then perhaps it's the very activity of the Holy Spirit in your life that you're lacking. So is this possible? Is it possible to be a believer and need to grow in the Holy Spirit? Case in point. Paul, early on in the books of, book of Acts, traveling around, meets believers. And he asks them if they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it, 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 without question, it calls them believers. And they, here's what they say. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So into what baptism have you been baptized, he asked them. Into Jesus' baptism. We believe in Jesus. So they're believers. But 
Paul goes, there's a whole nother realm here. And he lays hands on them. And you will find this three out of the four times in the book of Acts where Paul lays hands on believers and prays for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then gifts become evident in their lives. One of them is speaking in tongues. Now again, there's one that so many people have heard about and, and then draw opinions from it. I would just simply say to you, that you should base it on your relationship with you and God and not having somebody be the intermediary between you and what God wants to do. Let your experience between you and God. And if you lack hope and joy and peace, then my, my thing, I would say this to you, don't pray, God, give me hope, joy, and peace. How about this? Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. Because if you connect to where hope, joy, and peace come from, you'll get it. We're going after a thing rather than the thing. There's depth. <laughs> Maybe a better way to say it is, even at times, even don't go after a gift, but go after the one who gives the gift. If you get him, you'll get the gifts. The kingdom of God. The activity of the Holy Spirit produces the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. What's God's will then when Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? What does it look like in heaven? In heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the atmosphere of heaven. What does God want the atmosphere of the earth to be like? Righteousness, peace, and joy. How will he ever accomplish that? When believers live in the kingdom of God, we reproduce the reality of another reality. And I know you didn't understand what I said just now. We reproduce the reality of another reality. Or we reproduce the reality that we're most aware of. Which one are you most aware of? The reality of the kingdom of God or the reality of this world? Does that help phrase it? The last one is just simply, I just titled it the outcome. And the outcome just simply is the outcome of your life or what your life will look like when the Holy Spirit is evident in your life. And it just simply reads this way, very familiar scripture, Galatians chapter 5, 22. So the fruit of the Spirit, again, here it is, the fruit of the Spirit. Remember what I said at the very beginning? Whenever you find hope connected to that will be closely behind joy and peace. And it comes through the activity of the Holy Spirit. All right, so just look at it here in this. The fruit of the what? Okay, so the outcome, the produce, the, the, what, what happens in your life, the outcome of the activity of the Holy Spirit in you will be love. It's all, I, I've read it 10,000 times minimum and never connected. If you find hope, you will find joy and peace right behind it. If you find joy, you'll find hope and peace. You find peace, you'll find joy and hope. They're all closely linked to each other with one common denominator. The ministry of the Holy Spirit produces these things in our lives. So that as a believer, if you're not enjoying these things, then maybe the place to start is Holy Spirit. I am wide open to you. All right, so, so the activity of the Holy Spirit, the outcome of the Holy Spirit operating in your life is this fruit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness. Who's against kindness? Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. 
read it that way. So let me give you another definition. The personality of Jesus is that. Do you agree? That's the personality of Christ. The activity then of the Holy Spirit is to reproduce Jesus in you. So that when you become like Jesus, that's what you become like. As you mature in God, as you, as you grow up, as you begin to know more and operate, here's what happens to you. You will have more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness, more self. You'll be more like Jesus. Every day you become more like him through the activity of the Holy Spirit. And when a person goes, that's not happening. What is that? I would say, open yourself up to more of the Holy Spirit. So we go... Because here, here would be the, no tree can produce anything other than what it is. So an apple tree never goes, I'm trying to have a cat. <laughs> that would be stupid. Do you agree with that? Apple tree does what an apple tree does, which is to produce apples. Brilliant group of people here. Brilliant. So pear tree produces Grapevine produces, people produce. <laughs> Why do you like three? Uh, so I was having something. So here, how about this? The Holy Spirit then can only reproduce the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit's the Spirit of Jesus. He can only reproduce Jesus. So that if that's not happening in us, Here's the battle for life. When this is not happening in us, it's not that God is unable or unfaithful. It's not that your flesh is stronger. Sometimes we hit an impasse where it is, I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life now. You never, ever get this all in one week or one year. This is always, be filled, always with the Holy Spirit so that if you just came to faith yesterday you get filled on that day and if you've been serving him 20 or 30 or 40 years you have to get filled on that day too you'll never outgrow the need for the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life never now taught that way with that understanding as easy and as simple as it is to see so what should be the outcome of the outcome should simply be God we want more of that we need to grow in that. I'd love for you to direct me. I'd love for you to interrupt my life. I'd love for you to bring wisdom to me. I'd love more peace. I'd love more love. Yes. And do this in me so I can do it for others. How do we reflect the reality of another reality? My question to you, do you think the world is like that? So if we enter this world, which is the opposite of those things, with that as who we are, it reflects the reality of another reality. And you don't go home going, I'm trying to have joy. <laughs> that won't help. I'm trying to be nicer. That won't help. It doesn't work that way. A thing that reproduces, it just reproduces what's going on inside of it. So if we reproduce anger, it's because that's what's going on inside of us. We find those things going on in our lives. Father, I confess this to you. I'm powerless. I need the Holy Spirit. Change me. Help me.
That's my old man. He's dead. This new man is this. And that's what you fight your battle with. You yield every day, every day, every day, every day. Father, it's another day and another opportunity to yield to you. And Father, as a group, as a church, as a family, we come before you. And Father, put the way that it was taught. No one's against love and no one's against joy and no one's against peace. No one's against goodness and faithfulness. No one's against any of those things. In fact, God, we want more of those things. We're desperate for more of those things. It's your will that you do these things in our lives. It's your pleasure. It's your joy to reproduce Jesus in us. Father, that's what we want. It's more of Jesus, more activity, more of your gifts, more of you. Lord, you ask us to yield ourselves, to open ourselves up, to submit ourselves, to give ourselves. That's what we do to you. Lord, as I teach this, I know some people here, I see all these things the opposite of what my pastor is talking about and you feel immediately condemned. That's not a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can convict, but he doesn't condemn. And the world of difference between those, condemnation locks you into what you did wrong, conviction Remind you of what your life could be like. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He shows us what it could be like and what God's will is. The enemy locks us into condemnation. You'll never change. You're stuck. That's not what God says. Father, we yield to you. We cooperate with you. We want more activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want the life of God. And we welcome you in our church. We welcome you in our families. We welcome you into our marriages. We welcome you into all the areas of our life, God. Be the Lord of our lives. And thank you, Father God, that your word to this word is yes. Yes. That's what I want for you too, the Lord would say. That's my desire for you too. It's part of the reason I've done everything that I've done is so that you can live in the goodness and the mercy and the righteousness and the love and the joy of the kingdom of God. Father, we receive that. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.